Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we finally talk WrestleMania. But not this year's show. It's our annual WrestleMania rewatch with our salty old friend, Matt Tarzan Taylor Spectro. Listen in as Tarzan hates WrestleMania 7. Hey, it's Tarzan hates wrestling and Michael Crockett doesn't watch wrestling. No, actually, I was at this past Friday's WWE house show and we're going to talk about that, plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 102, presented by BDARadio.com. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, Ring of Honor wrestler, the irresistible force, the immovable object. He's neither power nor glory. He's the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Wow, you, you added a little something in, I see. I did. No doubt for your own benefit, not mine. <laughs> of course, of course. Save for the <laughs> podcast. So yeah, this past Friday, I was in Boston at the TD Garden for the WWE Raw live event, if you will. Oh, well, they were in town? Yes, Ryan, they were in town. You knew that. <laughs> I did know that only because, and, and, and this is not even me trying to be funny, I, I had no clue they were coming to town until last weekend we brought the kids to Boston to go to the Museum of Science and getting off the Sturrell Drive exit, there's a big billboard they have now on the on the garden and I saw a big thing of Finn Balor and I was like, oh wow, I had no clue they were coming to town. Well, I did, of course. Well, I mean, I did a few days before the show. Uh <laughs> And I was able to procure some tickets for the event. Yeah, did you pay for them? No, no, no. Thank you very much to my special benefactor. Oh, who's who's that? Uh, Roman Reigns? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> uh, where did you sit? I, we talked about when you went to a SmackDown house show. Where did you sit? I've sat all over. I've sat... Uh... At a SmackDown house show, I sat in the Loge, and a another SmackDown house show in Lowell, I sat on the floor on a, at a TV taping for SmackDown. I sat uh, first row. <laughs> you sat front row. Yeah. Well, I sat front row here in Boston. Did you now? Well, front row Loge. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> no, it was very, it was very good. I really appreciate it for the. Uh, for the free seats, but um, is Loge just like a New England thing? Because I was talking to someone, and they didn't know what Loge was. Really? Yeah, let us know out there if you know what the Loge is when it comes to an arena, because I was talking to someone outside of New England, and they're like, what is the Loge? Interesting. Yeah, so let us know if you know what the Loge is or do not know what the Loge is when it comes to the seating of a uh, of an arena. But yeah, I was there, and... Uh, Good event, great a great event actually. The crowd was is a really good house. I mean, every place that seats were sold was pretty much filled in, which was well, that, you know why? Why is that? Brock Lesnar was there, Mike. Oh, he was. What do you mean he was? You went to the show. Uh, 
I had to uh, get out of there a little early. Let it be the traffic, Brian. Oh, my God. Had to be the traffic. Come on. It's busy. It's Boston. Friday night. Come on. You're... You are just the, the worst. You are, I mean, take some control of your life, Mike. Good what God. does that mean? I don't. I, we know who wears the pants in your household, for Christ's sake. Well, we haven't even established that I went to this show with anybody. I could have been there by myself, right? I know you weren't there by yourself, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw everyone I needed to see. I saw Sasha Banks had her match. I, I saw. She doesn't even remember you exist. Oh come on, that's not nice. <laughs> I saw Asuka. She opened the show. Just fantastic to see live. the The funny thing is, my uh, counterpart, my my wife, was attending her first WWE show, and she noted, "Like, wow, these girls are." Having much better matches than the guys. They're working a lot harder than the guys. Oh, boy. They they did all their stuff. Everything was good. But obviously, you know, you're a week from WrestleMania, <laughs> you don't want to get injured. That is, the I think, the number one goal with these remaining house shows before WrestleMania. Do not get injured going to the biggest show of the year. Yeah, I think the house shows are more about people getting a chance to get out and actually see them live. It's not. I don't think it's really about going out and having... A five-star match, so so to speak, uh, and I I don't think being a week from WrestleMania has a ton to do with that. I think risk is mitigated on house shows to to begin with. It's more about the chance for fans to see these uh, these people live in their hometown rather than seeing these fantastic matches. Right, and it's great just the way that they uh, interact with the people on the floor, always taking selfies with the uh, people in the front row. It's a really fan interactive experience to be at a house show. We've said it a million times, but I mean, it's a better experience, I think, than going to a TV tape and going to a house show and seeing the guys live up close when they're a little less tethered. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'd read, much rather go watch a house show than a television taping or even a pay-per-view, really, because of how much, especially on TVs, how much... WWE in particular does on the screen. You feel like you're watching the screen for large portions of the night rather than actually watching the ring. Yeah, house shows though, lots and lots of Hulk Hogan-like clotheslines being passed out. <laughs> <laughs> there were indeed. Uh, were you there? <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, what we talked about last week. We had uh, some feedback from episode 101 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. You know what, Brian? What? We had a successful game on our hands, I think. Oh, yes? Making towns or made-up clowns. We heard from some people. We heard from TK, who said, uh, I thought I was going to be done at 101 with another Croc Sox game, but making towns or made-up clowns is pretty damn entertaining. It's about time one of your crazy ideas finally worked. <laughs> and we also heard from uh, Randy at Limitless Wrestling. He says, can I send any suggestions? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Randy might see a few... Uh submissions when he's out looking for talent for limitless wrestling yes we did talk about a lot about maine in that episode another dumb mark also said he loves the new game thank you very much at another dumb mark what are you talking about yourself in the third person now you going back to the well again on this one <laughs> hey if it works stick with it <laughs> All right well we also talked about bad wrestling shows on last week's show go back and check it out if you haven't heard it already it's called the recipe of a bad wrestling show, episode 101 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We heard from Jason Stewart from the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Great episode. Brought me back to the WrestlePlex days. And you talked about that, actually, the old NWA New England building, right? 
I did, yes. And we heard from Adam Salzu, who recounted his story about a show at the Haverhill, Massachusetts YMCA, where a guy ran off with the money and it was supposed to be for charity, but apparently the charity didn't see any of the money. It happens far too often, those yeah, stories. Yeah, charity shows are... Yeah, it does. It happens a ton. Uh, well, Brian, I don't know if you, how often you check the WPAN Twitter, but the other night we actually had one of the promoters that we were talking about in the show respond to us via Twitter. <laughs> I <did> see this. <laughs> we were talking about that show in Maine that had uh, 10 people with the ladder match where he suggested that the belt in the ladder match, instead of being hung from the ceiling, be taped to the top of the ladder. So actually, he is at LewDog11, D-A-W-G-11. He says, even 14 years later, as soon as I saw the description of the show, I had a feeling my nightmare show would be mentioned. Thanks for reminding me of the thousands of dollars I flushed down the drain that evening. (laughs) (laughs) I could imagine you sweating bullets seeing these tweets come into you. Like, oh no, he listened. (laughs) (laughs) It's happened before where we've said something about someone and they've listened. But yeah, it's we didn't really dog of the guy completely we said you know i'm sure he's a nice guy but he was in over his head essentially he was in over his head <laughs> that's like the ultimate backhanded compliment <laughs> <laughs> sure he's a nice guy of course and he did mention that everyone got paid for the evening and he said uh, no one likes to bring that up so i will put that out there that everyone did get paid for that show even though you know it was a it was a bomb scare as they say in terms of uh, crowd support kudos to him for that because I mean, again, like I said, if you're going to go run a pro wrestling show, you should have every dime you need before you ever sell a ticket. So that's wrapping up that whole thing about bad wrestling shows. And you can find us now on Spotify in addition to everywhere else you find us. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Podbean, Spotify. Find us on Spotify now. And BrianMalonis.com is still operational. It's still operational. Get over there. Buy some damn t-shirts, people. And you can do that over there at BrianMalonis.com. And you can find more about the wrestling podcast about nothing at TheWPAN.com. That's T-H-E-W-P-A-N.com. That is our home base, our hub. You can find uh, the backgrounds of us. You can find more about the podcast. whole bunch going on over there at TheWPAN.com. And between episodes... Find us on Facebook at the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. Just search Putting Over Podcasts. You can find us and talk about the WPAN and any other pro wrestling podcast. We're talking about all wrestling podcasts over there on Putting Over Podcasts, the Facebook group. All right. It is time to bring in our friend and talk about the big one, the most controversial WrestleMania of all time. All right. It's the season, Brian. It's that time of year. It is? WrestleMania. Oh. You have no idea, do you? No, what's WrestleMania? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Supercard of Honor weekend coming up, right? It is. It is. Big <laughs> Supercard of Honor weekend, you know, down in New Orleans. Uh, the whole, the eyes of the wrestling world will uh, uh, will upon. no doubt be on Supercard of Honor, you know, available on uh, Honor Club, Mike. So. Yes. Well, there's another little show as well happening that weekend. Oh, there is. There is? Yes. Yeah, uh, just down the road. Uh, before it? The little football arena that they have there. Oh. Huh. I'm not aware of this. It's called WrestleMania. Wow, okay. I think I used to watch that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Is that still happening? It is still happening. Oh, it's wow. Still cool. Good for them. Good for them. Well, this time of year, WrestleMania time, is when we bring our buddy back. He is a former wrestler. He's a former booker. And now he's just a husband, a stepdad, 
and just a general malcontent. He is Matt Tarzan Taylor Spectro. Hello. Hello. How do you do? Good, thanks. Are you ready to talk a little WrestleMania? For having me. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> been a while uh, since I've been on your podcast. Good to be back. You hard to book? Lots, lots changed. Lots changed. I'm a you... married man now. What the heck? Uh, <laughs> I just want to apologize first, Tarzan, for uh, the conditions uh, you've had to work under here so far today and probably uh, as we record this. So. I say, you've been a delight, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I gave you pizza. <laughs> well, maybe that's why he's upset. Oh, I had some of his pizza. Yeah, you freeloaded. You didn't pay him for it. Hey, wait a minute. He didn't pay me for that pizza either. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, guys. It is good to be back. Thank you for M- being Mike's here. Like, Mike's like, is like Jerry's grandma with PBS. She's a freeloader. <laughs> <laughs> so it is uh, WrestleMania 7. We watched. And Kingpin, you kind of threw a curveball at me today. You said, how about Mania 7? Yeah. I was thinking you were going to go with 9. We had talked about. We did. There was 11 as well, which yeah. is a shit show. Yeah. But you decided WrestleMania 7. Well, you know, I think I think we like to get our good friend Tarzan uh, as animated as we can possibly get him. So there's a couple of little tidbits here we'll get into as, as we saw what we were watching live. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot good to this show, though. There really was. This, this uh, right. WrestleMania was a lot better than I remembered. For having me on, I really expected a lot worse of a show. I was wasn't as bad as some of the other ones we've watched. So should it be Tarzan hates wrestling or Tarzan hates wrestling? <laughs> Maybe. I got to say, hey, since I've been on, my, my one of my stepsons, I'm watching wrestling again with him. So I don't know if hates wrestling can really, you know, really appropriate anymore. Well, from what you were saying before we uh, hit record, you hate a lot of what you're watching. Not, well, <laughs> you got a point. Last episode of Raw was garbage. But... <laughs> Michael doesn't know. He hasn't He hasn't watched pro wrestling in, in months. He hasn't even seen one of my matches on Ring of Honor yet. I know. Even I have seen one of Brian's matches on hey, Ring of Honor. Hey, force you to sit through it before I got here. <laughs> the, the only Ring of Honor match of mine that Crockett has seen was the one he saw in New York City live last year when he, when he came in as a comp. Thank you very much to uh, sure. Todd Sinclair. He's seen every one of Brian Fury's Ring of Honor matches, I have no <laughs> doubt. With, with or without pants around his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen one of his either. Never seen one of those matches. But, guys, enough of the uh, pomp and circumstance. WrestleMania 7, Superstars and Stripes Forever. Yes. Do you have a date? March 24th, 1991 was the date. And originally, I think this was the first time that they announced the um, place where they're going to hold WrestleMania the year before. I think it was during WrestleMania 6, right? Yeah. Yeah, Where they announced the following year they were coming to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Because they did the uh, the, and they're off commercial. Yes. Little did they know how much heat that that (laughs) the heel... The main event heel going into WrestleMania was going to garner that they would seriously have a, have, a, have a security concern of snipers trying to take the guy out. I mean... It just couldn't be done. No, this is a serious concern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you all right, Tarzan? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what they said. That's not the truth. No, that's what I heard. And I, I mean, I guess Bruce Pritchard said the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, I guess they would know better than we would. But <laughs> well, he said, he said on something to wrestle with. Even if the WWF sold out the Coliseum, the scope of the event will be too large for police to ensure its security. 
They, they seem to do all right these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Tarzan, you don't believe this? I don't believe it for a second. Why not? I know the WWE or WF is so honest with uh, everything, but no, bullshit. I call bullshit. It was on the WrestleMania DVD. Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> hey, we don't know. Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> would never, never be disingenuous about <laughs> anything. He's never told a lie in his life. I mean, thank God that... They'd only sold the exact amount of tickets I would fit. It's amazing because when they moved the venue, that's the exact number of tickets they had sold. Crazy. It's an amazing coincidence. Yeah. I mean, you have a a building that size and you had to move it to a much smaller facility. You would really think you'd have to worry about a lot of concerns of refunding money to people and and logistics. Yeah. Yeah, Like the logistics. (laughs) If somebody bought a ticket in in that seating, how is that? You know, how does that translate into the when, uh, the much smaller arena? When did they actually announce the change venue? As a kid, I just, <laughs> the show came on and it was from the Los Angeles Sports Arena. I don't remember when it was, I don't know if it was ever, an, I mean, it wasn't announced locally, I guess. Because I remember at the SummerSlam before that, they were still booking the memorial, col- uh, the, the one that's seated 100. The grand. Coliseum, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, they're telling me it's not ticket sales, but they only sold 18,000 tickets to a 100-seat arena. Hundred thousand seats. Yeah, but uh, they only sold eighteen thousand. But it wasn't anything to do with ticket sales. It was because of the danger of that piece of shit, Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> having so much heat on. Yeah, I mean, he's a bad man. He had to ride around in a bulletproof limo. <laughs> I don't know if you. <laughs> so uh, yes, it was WrestleMania Seven from the Los Angeles Sports at, Arena at the height of the Gulf War. <laughs> <laughs> What, what did you say about this? That the war was basically over at this point? Yeah, the war was like over at that point. It really was. Well, yeah. it wasn't officially over no, until Hulk Hogan won the WWF <laughs> Championship, according to Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Michael. Oh, excuse me. It, it, the, the venue was like a glorified superstars, by the way. Like it, barely anything that you'd look at the show and think WrestleMania. I mean, the vivacious yeah. oh, yeah. Marlon Maples was there. <laughs> there <so>. he was. <laughs> a very topical reference for all you out there. <laughs> if that doesn't say a uh, major sporting event, Marlon Maples being there, who knows? <laughs> well, I like the opening of this where they had always Vince screaming. The uh, voiceover is always the best. World Wrestling Federation Champion, Sergeant Slaughter! <laughs> Hulk Hogan! <laughs> it's just always the best. I love it. So this event started... With one Willie Nelson in full WWF regalia. <laughs> I put, hey, this guy's a team player. He sure is. He had a Hogan bandana on with Brett's sunglasses on top of it. He had the WrestleMania official t-shirt and the coup de gras, of course, <laughs> Brian. The little, the little foam belt that I had at <laughs> one youth? point. Yes. That looked nothing <laughs> like, like that or any WWF World Heavyweight Championship belt that they ever that ever existed. Well, the shape of it looked like one of the ones Hogan had a little bit, but I mean, it was like black. Yeah, it was. It it did not resemble any any championship belt <laughs> that that ever existed for the WWF. Did he have a Macho Man bandana as well as a Hogan one? Not that I saw. Yeah, it I looked like just a Hogan one. You could be right because he was a heel at the time, Macho King. So he probably wouldn't have that Good on. Point. And yes, he had the belt around his waist. Just uh, no shame with Willie Nelson. Just I liked how he got right into. Uh, uh, was it America the Beautiful yeah, he sang? Yes. Yeah. I like how we got right into it. No frills version. 
Just good singing, good solid singing, get in, get out, let's start the show. I guess maybe some people didn't like that, Brian, because there was some booze. Yeah, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Boo Willie Nelson singing America the Beautiful. I mean, if any time, I mean, the height of the Gulf War, if there's any time to cheer a man singing America the Beautiful, know, it's now. like we were patriotic still. <laughs> so that's, from, called, that's called xenophobia now. <laughs> so Gorilla says, welcome to a star-spangled WrestleMania 7. <laughs> and he immediately introduces Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The father of Warbeard Hansen. <laughs> dressed as Uncle <laughs> Sam. And he's doing the opening match commentary because Bobby Heenan will be managing in the first match. So uh, This is about the time like Duggan really was start- has started to already become like a caricature of himself where he really kind of went from a guy who was like patriotic but still like a dangerous wrestler to... Just like a complete buffoon. With the crooked eye, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you make him a, com- a comment? I know it's only for one match, but they couldn't get anybody better than that? Well, they they wanted to, they wanted to get him on the show, I guess. I, I think yeah, they got everybody else on the show. That's true. Because yeah. we saw with this card, yeah, no lack of everybody money. was getting on the show. Holy Toledo. So, I, think, I, think, I think we were both on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Rockers do an uh, interview backstage before the opening match, which is a little weird. They go to a interview before like the opening match of a show usually you go right to the, yeah. the you've match already, you've already had america the beautiful and introducing of hacksaw jim duggan and then you go to a promo you gotta cool the crowd down and <laughs> and the rockers i think they might have done the first ever that i've seen in professional wrestling at this time 1991 the first ever scott hall wiggly fingers i'm scared thing oh yeah he did, he did do <laughs> that when talking yeah, about Sean a haku and the barbarian yeah, yeah. Precursor to the Scott Hall. Shawn Michaels being a dink. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) So it was Haku and the Barbarian, later known as the Faces of Fear in WCW. They were already in the ring. Already in the ring. (laughs) Which is a trend for this evening. Well, yeah, we needed that Rockers promo. So So Bobby Heenan is there with them. And, of course, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, the Rockers, are down second. The referee, Dangerous Danny Davis. New Hampshire's own. Yes, Dover, New Hampshire's own. And how fucking good did the Barbarian and Haku look? Barbarian and Haku look a million <laughs> fucking dollars. I don't. Barbarian was just a Jesus. monstrosity. He, yeah, he was uh, looking like a million bucks. And of course, this is the time period where guys are looking really good, and you guys just commented on all night long, just surprised that these guys look like fucking Greek gods. Well, don't get me wrong, like the Rockers look like in good shape, but they look like normal guy yeah. good shape. Like the Barbarian Haku. Even like Haku, like, I mean, he, still had, he had like the belly, and like, but like Barbarian was, it, it's it's the, it's when guys approach 300 pounds and they're still ultra lean. <laughs> like, those. that's the look that you're just like, I don't care. It's just like, you, you see it, you're just like, wow, holy shit. Like Barbarian probably weighed what two hundred and eighty pounds, two hundred and seventy pounds. Like oh, he's three hundred, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys don't have a clue how strong they are. Uh, so this is a good match. Uh, double team spots early on. Uh, a double Rikishi bump by the, yeah. by the Rockers <laughs> off a Barbarian double clothesline. So that was uh, fantastical. The Rockers did a double crescent kick, as called by Gorilla Monsoon. Double super kick <laughs> to uh, one of the, I think it was the Barbarian. So Marty got clotheslined across the top rope for the heat. The crowd started really getting into Haku and the Barbarian, which is, I mean, this is 1991. This is early for 
to hear like a, a heel crowd, but they started to get behind the heels in this match. They noticed what me and Tarzan noticed. These guys are in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> These guys look like a million bucks. So uh, there's an awkward missed headbutt by the barbarian. <laughs> the, uh, a number of awkward things off the ropes. <laughs> On this evening. So that leads the hot tag to Shawn Michaels. Did he clap? He must have forgot to clap. Yeah, that's <laughs> the problem. You got to clap ahead of time. Yeah, that's probably why he missed it. <laughs> so the big comeback by Shawn is stopped by Haku with a thumb to the eye. Hacksaw Jim Duggan says that it makes him sick. Because <laughs> why wouldn't it? It's amazing. A guy who would like, cut promos with snot on his nose <laughs> said that he would be sick by a poke in the eye. And, and his hit opponents with two by fours. <laughs> <laughs> so this match uh, and Ends with a crossbody off the top rope by Shawn Michaels. So a very good, well-fought, well-put-together uh, match here for the opener. I will say it was the first of many power slams happened in this match. Was there power slam in this match? Yeah, yeah Shawn yeah. Michaels did the dive and Barbarian caught him, turned into a... Yeah, it was an interesting way to get into it, too. I've like never seen the... so many power slams in a match <laughs> in And uh, coming up, we have one that's somebody's finish, so... So it's weird that, like, seven other people would do it. I must say The Barbarian, I think, is a shit name, I gotta be honest Wow. With you. It's just <laughs> The Barbarian. It just sounds like shit. He walks around, like, goes to a restaurant, hey, uh... You, I want a table. What's your name? The Barbarian. Uh. <laughs> you don't like the little antlers on his, uh, his headpiece there? <laughs> his outfit. He looks great. The outfit looks good, but couldn't they come up with something like Conan the Barbarian? Not that name, obviously, but like something The Barbarian. Like, But I think this is more Barbarian of a Barbarian than him as part of the Powers of Pain, right? Uh, yes. Yes, that is true. Yes. But yeah, he's not an LD knockoff anymore. He's like an actual Barbarian. barbarian. So what's wrong with that? Tommy Young. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, that's good. I will say a good good opening match. Very good Very opening good match. match, yes. So we go backstage to me and Gene Oakland, who is with the uh, top caliber celebrities for this <laughs> pay-per-view for WrestleMania 7. I don't know. 91, Regis and Alex Trebek are, are probably pretty big deals, right? I think, yeah. Okay. They're they're okay. Like I mean, now I'd be like, Ugh. Yeah. But... I think, yeah, I think 91. I think yeah, Reedus is on a top-rated morning show. Alex Trebek is on you know, Jeopardy, which is still always... Today, yeah. and he's still hosting it. Yes, without uh, the mustache, then, though. And then there's Marla Maples. <laughs> and then Marla Maples, who vivacious. you had no idea who she was. I, I, saying, I don't like, even know who is. Who is that, is. Broader? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who she is. Like, I don't know, what is she famous for? She's famous like for Donald effing Trump. Donald Trump, our, our yeah. Future. Is that what she's like famous? She's one of those like, yeah, famous for being famous people? Yeah, like Jennifer Flowers was on a little later than that. She banged our future commander-in-chief. So... Regis does his little thing, and then of course, Mean Gene says, "Regis, you're beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> how, how tired did Mean Gene look? He had a little, uh, little, yeah. I think a little, it was a late night the night before. <laughs> wrinkles around the eyes, perhaps. Uh, Marla is excited, and Mean Gene says he has that effect on people. <laughs> and of course, the topper is Gene introducing his dear, close, personal, longtime friend Alex Trebek, and then Alex says. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is always, like, fun stuff. When the celebrities, I think they talked about this in our Vintage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast recently, when the celebrities are actually into it, when they actually seem like they know what they're doing, that they want to be there, that they participate, it, it's fun. Yeah, it yeah. usually works well for the most part. Yeah, it's, I mean, unlike, you know, Kim Kardashian or... Yeah, some you can tell they're, like, enjoying themselves and want to do it, and others you can tell it just... Yeah. They're just there for the payday. They're doing a payday, yeah. Basically. Hyping whatever it is they, uh, they're selling at the time. Exactly. It's like size sprawling with hair. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was probably happy to be there, though. <laughs> I'm sure he's happy to be anywhere, size sprawling. Not only uh, he's not only the president. 
<laughs> so so cool clients. That's what I hear. <laughs> Fink was glad he was there too. <laughs> he was that year. <laughs> I, I never understood why he just didn't keep the the gimmick. <laughs> I don't know. He had it on. He looked looked fine. Looked good. And then. This ripped it out of his head. My, Michael probably has size sprawling on speed. Dial. <laughs> <laughs> is he still alive? There's a lot of people on this uh, show that aren't Ugh, still alive. Goodness, Marlon Maples gracious. was an untimely reference. Now we're talking about size sprawling. Wait till, wait till the, <laughs> one of the matches later where literally every participant, any, in any way, shape, or form, I in the think match. that opening though is the only match that there's not a deceased. Bobby Heenan. Oh, yeah, Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. So there, I, I stand corrected. There you go. Uh, so we go on to match two. Which was already in the ring, Dino Bravo. Canada's strongest man. How are you going to do that to Dino Bravo? He's the world's strongest man, according to him. Self professed. <laughs> fucking terrible that bench press world record segment was with him. He's had two pounds of pressure. <laughs> Jesse Ventura said two pounds of pressure. How do you know two pounds of pressure, Tarzan? When you've been lifting as long as Jesse Ventura, you know exactly how much weight you're lifting. <laughs> so it was Dino Bravo against the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Eric. Holy fuck. <laughs> Your referee is Mike Kyoto and Tarzan. Right away, you commented on Dino Bravo's armpits. What do you have against people with hair in their armpits? That's ah. how you're born. <laughs> Number well, one. That's how you're born. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, that's how I was born. Oh, my God. This guy's having a baby. He thinks babies are born with armpit <laughs> with hair. Armpit hair. <laughs> you, you, you need to take a class or something, buddy. I, I'm going to be, yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone out there. Oh, boy. Armpit hair is disgusting. <laughs> Um, and this is not some calm down ladies. I think it's equally disgusting on men as I do women. But even if I didn't think that, it's the biggest goddamn wrestling show of the year. You can't shave your fucking armpits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So when's the last time you had a wrestling match? Uh, 2015, I believe. I was in the Chaotic Countdown. Now, if hard to believe, I was the booker and in the match. You know? huh, unbelievable! <laughs> so, if you took off your shirt right now, you would have no armpit hair under well, there. Okay. Uh oh. Let's see. My wife, for some fucked up reason, likes armpit hair. Don't ask me why. <laughs> okay. Getting a weird I'm, glimpse of the uh, life of one Tarzan. I married her regardless, but uh, I still try and sneak it when she's not paying attention. <laughs> I, I only recently, in the last like couple of years, started shaving my armpits, and it's a game changer. It is. It's a game changer. How so? It just, it's nice. I like it. Like, imagine like Arnold it. winning Mr. Olympia with fucking hairy armpits. I mean, gone. It's fucking terrible. I, re- I rarely imagine Arnold <laughs> winning. Michael, give it a try. Change your life. <laughs> I, I've, I've shaved it down, but I never, never clean. Oh, no. It's nice, clean. Yeah, nice and clean. Yeah. Just it's don't nice put on deodorant. Helps, like, helps with the stench. And don't put the deodorant on right after. No, 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 no. No, it doesn't. That's no, not a good thing. So, and he had a broken nose, I think, and something fucked up about his eye, too. Do you know, Bravo? Yeah, there was something yeah, weird. He looked, he looked, looked bizarre. Weird. Yeah. yeah, like someone fucking ran him into a the back of a truck or something. Well, knowing the nefarious way in which <laughs> Tino Bravo perished, uh, maybe he got, maybe he got a bit yeah. roughed up. Did he probably pass away between seven and eight? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it was that quick. I no? think he was gone for a little bit before he died. But he had. Uh, there's, a, there's a number of people we've said this about on this pay-per-view as we were watching it, but this had to have been like the end of Dino Bravo here. Yeah. He, like right I, around I'm this time. I'm pretty sure he was gone... Within that year, that same calendar year, he was gone. This WrestleMania was very much like it started starting like a transition period, and it did seem like a lot of guys were at the tail end of their run. WWE. You started talking about the Von Erichs, Tarzan, and said uh, they weren't very good. None of them. (laughs) Not very good is a compliment. (laughs) Von Erichs were fucking terrible. Every one of them. I don't think any of them even knew wrestling was was a work. 
Like you're a watch world class. I love world class, but Jesus Christ, those guys didn't. They fucking had no idea wrestling was fake. <laughs> but would you say Kerry Von Erich was the best of the bunch, or was he the most charismatic? He was the most. He was probably he had the best look, most charismatic. I tend to argue, and it's not just because he's still alive. I think Kevin Von Erich was probably the best worker of the bunch. But even him, I don't think is very good. Like. Watch world class. These guys don't know wrestling is a work. They do not know. <laughs> yeah, they were wrestling they were young. Fake. They were young. They were young when they got started. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the Von Erichs either. And this match is probably the worst match in the show. The match was awful. <laughs> there were a lot of claps yeah, before things happened. There were a lot happened. of claps. There was a clap before a claw. A claw yeah. Clap into the claw. Well, you're toughening up the hand to go for the claw. <laughs> so what is the what is the the genesis? What what's the clap? What? I remember it being a thing in the 80s where people would clap before in a clothesline, throw someone out the ropes, clap, and then do something. Why? I know. As a kid, I always thought it was like they were trying to give us a nonverbal cue, but now- I, I wonder if it's like a timing thing in their yeah. mind. Like, I, I don't think I ever- I don't think that-, that does, I, was, I don't work. think I ever suffered from that affliction. Yeah. I don't remember ever clapping in any of my matches. Uh, I don't remember fans clapping in any of my matches. <laughs> <laughs> went up, up, went up, up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how about this inverted atomic drop that Dino Bravo did- where Kerry's feet were nowhere near the mat, <laughs> so his feet, he was like up and like... Feet, huh. Michael? Oh, foot. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so he just landed on his bum on his across the uh, knee of Dino Bravo and just fell back. So, yeah, it didn't really go very well. Lots didn't go well in this match. Uh, the enti- what, like the entire match? The bell rang, <laughs> yes. So uh, Bravo hits the side slam and then celebrates. Yep. Takes a little too long. Should have went for the cover. Should have went for the cover. A rookie move by Dino Bravo. Kerry kicks out, and then Dino Bravo comes off the second rope on the inside <laughs> with a clubbing blow. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure both his feet landed on the ground before he even touched Kerry Von Eric. <laughs> so uh, you guys theorized that probably this is a screwed up spot because they went back and did it again, and Dino came off the top rope and landed uh, directly <laughs> into, the, into claw. the iron claw. The only thing would have made it better if Dino Bravo had said, one more time! Because <laughs> that always works. <laughs> so, uh, Kerry procured the claw on Dino Bravo for a couple seconds there, then let go, came off the ropes, hit the discus punch, three count, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado, Wins the matchup really quick. I mean, that's a trend for this evening. Yeah, they were trying to get yeah. everybody on the show. What an awful finishing maneuver. When you have 27 matches, you got to have some of them quick. I imagine Mike Webb must be a huge fan of Kerry Von Eric. Why do you say that? Tassel power, brother. <laughs> so, like his tassels had tassels in that match. There were plenty of tassels. They had to cover the uh, you know the weird looking foot, that's the weird looking leg his, there. His jacket, his headband, his. Gary Von Eric, though, I will say, phenomenal shape, wouldn't you say? And fantastic, fantastic shape. And, shape. And, and a good-looking dude. Yeah, yeah, very handsome fellow. So I'm looking and here. No, no trouble getting a date on Saturday <laughs> night, huh? <laughs> so I'm looking here. 14 matches on this Holy card. Holy shit. And there was a 15th dark match, which is Coca Beware versus the Brooklyn Brawler. There was a dark match on that? Yes. 14 matches. 15 with the dark and, match. And, and the theme, as uh, we'll also continue on here tonight, both competitors in this matchup, both deceased. Yeah. Gary Von Eric and Dino Bravo. You're God, gonna, God rest their souls. Yeah, you're, you're going to notice a trend in this pay-per-view, folks. Yeah, so... Now, Krager was quick to point out, though, this was 27 years ago. Which would have been fair if most of these guys had died in the last, like, couple of years, but most of them have been gone for quite some time. That's... <laughs> good point there. Good point there. So we go to Warlord backstage, who is laughing. 
It's just <laughs> laughing. A lot of laughing. He a laugh, Hall of Famer, the warlord, of course. And he uh, just showing it off in grand fashion in this promo. There's a lot of he laughs tonight. We'll talk about Great this shape more. shape he's in. God, huge, huge. <laughs> you, don't, you don't look like that standing around waiting for the bus. <laughs> <laughs> sure don't. I don't think he's missing too many nights in the gym. Not any warlord, mind you. The Warlord. <laughs> <laughs> and Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, is interviewed as well. And then Davey Boy, in turn, interviews Winston. Winston. Yes. Not, not Winston. That's Peter Winston from <laughs> the podcast, uh, Greece from Allentown. But Winston. And he tells the Warlord that there's no bull in this bulldog. Ooh. By the way, there's a trend of a lot of unnecessary promos on this show for a show that has 14 goddamn men. And no entrances. <laughs> yeah, Warlord, I believe. Yeah, Warlord is... Already appearing in the ring. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the a lot of these matches are cold in terms of like there's no real heat going into this into this match. Like this, the Rockers and Haku and the Barbarian didn't have a blood feud before WrestleMania. So why do they do have promos and all this stuff? It's just, yeah, I think this is still a period of time too where not every match for WrestleMania had a story going into it. Oh. Yeah, it and didn't. really, I mean, the British Bulldog, Warlord, these aren't exactly guys known for their promos. Like, why the hell are you having them did they, I think these guys did have a story, though, right? They had a, they yeah, they had kind of a few, because they did the yeah. full Nelson Challenge. Yeah. It wasn't a match. He just had to see if he could get out of it. And I think they did the old spot, you know, where he nails them and then puts it on him, I think. I don't know. Right. So let's get into this match. The Warlord with Slick versus the British Bulldog. The referee is Freddie Sparta, Brian. You asked me if that was Freddie Sparta, Mike Sparta's brother, who was a infamous promoter in the new england area yes. it, it was indeed freddie sparta referred to in bret hart's book as freddie the gay ref <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right <laughs> so so most of this match was spent with you two just gushing over the physiques of these gentlemen. <laughs> well, because it was amazing. Because speaking when, of pants around the ankles, <laughs> Brian Malone. When you think when you think about the bulldog, like and how fucking big he is and the great shape he's in, and the warlord dwarfs him. Yes, he makes when you make the British bulldog look small. Yeah, it's, it's like, he, he, like he must have him by fifty pounds. Like he, it's ridiculous. My, Michael is very unimpressed by by people in good shape. <laughs> I just understand the era that we're in here. You guys are just wow! Look at that guy. We're we're, we're fondly fondly reminiscing, Mike. Sorry, sorry for having enjoyment in something in life. <laughs> and when you compare it to some of the guys on TV now, I can't I can't wait till this guy's completely mundane about like the birth of his child. <laughs> eh, it's all right. Like, <laughs> I was a kid. Eh, I fun. will say. Uh, Far better match than any match with a warlord deserves to be in. And well, he did have to uh, when he's dropping those elbows. You gotta hit the ropes first, Tarzan. <laughs> Fuck, and then do some weird little turn, yeah. <laughs> killing all your momentum before you even drop the goddamn elbow. Why even run against the ropes? Oh, <laughs> uh, the warlord, not the most uh, agile fella. <laughs> So at one point, the British Bulldog takes a hard buckle and then feeds into a bear hug for the warlord and Tarzan. You did not like this bear hug because why? Thought, maybe I'm old school. I don't know. But the Warlord's goddamn finish is a submission hold. Why would you put another submission hold earlier in the same match? When the whole thing in the promo he cut was how no one escapes my full Nelson. And David will be no different. <laughs> so why the <laughs> hell would you do a goddamn submission earlier in the match? That's what he has Slick out there for to tell him. Blaming it on the jive soul, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> and Warlord also uh, decides to pick the guy up to snap Marum down to the mat. Yes. To go for the thing. chin lock. I always pick guys up just to put them right back down. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of unnecessary <laughs> movement by the Warlord there. He was not signed for his wrestling talent. We all know that. British Bulldog at one point slams Warlord's head into the top turnbuckle ten times. 
You hate this as well, apparently, Tarzan. <laughs> what do you have against this? Because he does the the boot in the corner every time his own head is being rammed into the buckle. You gotta make noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. I hate it. What do you do it for? It's the impact, brother. It's like a slap these days. Before it was in the mat. <laughs> now it's slapping the thigh. Simultaneously yeah. with your head being into the mat. So how about the sunset flip? This this you liked. <laughs> this I did that. like. Warlord was waving his arms forever trying to go over. Uh, you know, Bulldog's trying to take him over in the sunset flip. Finally, Warlord gets his bearing and teabags Davey Boy Smith. Wow. Doing the double bicep pose. Yes. <laughs> well, if you're going to teabag somebody, you got to throw up the double bicep <laughs> exactly. pose. Just the ultimate humiliation. We've all slept with a woman at one poor man <laughs> and looked out of the mirror and did the double bicep while, while begging said person. We've all done it once. Only when teabag. Yeah, <laughs> So I'm Warlord. Not, I mean, I'm not an animal. Come on. <laughs> so Warlord finally goes for the full Nelson. But Brian, are the fingers locked? They are not <laughs> locked. They are not locked. You couldn't tell at first from our vantage point. Yes. <laughs> you couldn't tell, but then they finally caught it and the fingers were not locked. I don't think it was physically possible for his fingers <laughs> to be locked, but the size of those two gentlemen's arms, I don't think there was a way for him so, to get around the back of his neck and be able to close his fingers. Has there ever been anyone more concerned with the fingers locking on a <laughs> full Nelson than Gorilla Monsoon? <laughs> well, uh, the only thing he... he uh, is more concerned about is the abdominal stretch that the toe is great <laughs> find behind the uh, behind the leg of the person. So uh, okay, so uh, I, I was the, even when when the guy first puts it on, if he's got those finger locks, it's it's over. It's, it's over. <laughs> but if he and if he doesn't, like he yeah, <laughs> gorilla just like ah, it's not gonna get him that way, folks. <laughs> so bulldog gets him up for the power slam. Incredulously, he gets him up for the power slam. And gets the pin, but the Warlord kicks out at three point one. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't even. I didn't even. You didn't see that. I didn't see that. Why you? Ugh, fucking asshole. Uh, maybe we'll come back to this a little later. We'll circle back around on this a little say later. Davy Boy Smith finishes the power slam, unlike the other nine people that use it on the show. <laughs> Let's put a pin on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if a guy's finishes a power slam, we've talked about this doing independent shows. Right. You want to make sure that. No one else is doing your finisher on the show. But it happened multiple times. Well, 14 other matches is a lot of matches <laughs> to go around and ask anybody else in the power slam. Okay, so it is time. Oh, there's only two deceased people in that match. Just want to point out. Well, thank God. Slick says that um, Bulldog pulled the tights, but they couldn't see it from their vantage point. And uh, Bobby Heenan says, well, if Slick says it, it's got to be true. <laughs> I tend to agree with... Uh, so he still kicked up at 3.1 with the tights hook. Well, he's that strong. That's how strong he is. <laughs> Come on. So we cut to uh, he laughs with the nasty boys. <laughs> and uh, they're talking about finding out what the nasty sensation is all about. I don't know what the nasty sensation is about. I don't think we Sounds intriguing. It does. <laughs> I don't think we've ever found out, really. They talk about the stink and the pink. Which pink and the stink, and I don't, I don't know if uh, sounds like your Saturday night, Mike. Huh? <laughs> this is like this, one of our more sexualized uh, podcasts. We've done. So uh, the the Harper Asian were interviewed as well. And there's a just a lot of screaming fat men in these uh, two interview segments. With you the listen to OBP too much using the F word there like that, huh? Why? I don't know. They like to let that F word fly too, and now you're letting it fly. <laughs> Come on, it's late now. Let the expletives fly. <laughs> All right, it is the Nasty Boys with Jimmy Hart, 
challenging the Hart Foundation for Jimmy the Hart with that glorious helmet on, <laughs> and that will come into play later on. The Hart Foundation are the current WWF World Tag Team Champions, defending against the Nasty Boys. Referee is Earl Hebner, and the first thing we see is Macaulay Culkin in the crowd, <laughs> enjoying the show, and Gorilla Monsoon, not a clue. <laughs> Says, look at that youngster at ringside. <laughs> and then clearly somebody fed him the line. Ah, I bet he's not been left home alone or something along those lines. Yeah, I think it was he didn't want to be home alone. Yeah, with the nasty yeah boys. that's what it was. <laughs> yes. I think it was genuine. I think. Uh... Genuinely had no fucking clue who Macaulay Culkin <laughs> was. I don't understand the placement of the celebrities at <laughs> WrestleMania 7. Well, think about Macaulay Culkin, though. I mean, he's like legit a child. He's probably pumped to be at WrestleMania. Yeah, he was like standing on his seat, it looked like, just yeah. kind of like seeing what's going on. But, I mean, they have the other guys, we'll talk about it a little later on, but they have them in like the loge. They're like <laughs> way the hell back there. I don't know how they can tell what's going on. And it's, I don't know, it's ridiculous. So it is Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags versus Bret Hart, Tar- Tarzan, Jim you know Neidhart. You know, you know what's amazing? I have to cut off Michael here is. How did they even have seats for like Donald Trump and his friends and the celebrities when they'd already sold out the, uh, the, <laughs> well, the play? Trump the place a year in advance. Oh, he was okay. watching WrestleMania six. He's like, I gotta get tickets though. <laughs> and he's bought the whole front row. He bought the whole front row because he knew it would sell out. <laughs> the crowd was really hot this entire night. I guess we yes. should talk about that. Ridiculous. Yeah, we're not like, being sarcastic. We actually all of us commented on how hot the crowd. It's everything. Yeah, yeah everything. Like, everything. Like the crowd was going crazy all night. Regardless of the garbage, like <laughs> cold matches that they yeah. sent out there, yeah, they're, yeah, not, they're, they're just... not the cynical crowds we're used to nowadays. Oh, yeah. they were psyched to be there. How about Brian Nobbs taking some nasty bumps to the floor in this match? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, he took that one between the ropes. There's a two, couple times two like that where, <laughs> like, generally when you're to peel back the curtain here a little bit, if you're gonna go backwards through the middle rope, you kind of hook the middle rope. Twice, Nobbs just throws himself, dive, dove yeah, through, like, yeah, backwards, like insanity. Yeah, you pull out all the stops. It's WrestleMania. <laughs> can't, can't leave anything uh, on the shelf. Well, we, I just talked about the crowd being so hot. I mean, it has to be because of Bret Hart, right? Well, he has more. Yeah. He has more fan mail. He has mail. more fan mail than Hulk Hogan. That's what I heard. Even back then. Yeah, listen to this guy. This guy defends Bret Hart nonstop. Tarzan Taylor? Well, the most I mean, <laughs> champion of all time. Well, I mean, I call a spade a spade. I mean, I, you know, I do love the guy, but let's let's be realistic. He did. He had one solid match his entire career. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Did it over and over again. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. This comes from Hulk Hogan's number one fan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan drew money. <laughs> so here we go. Let's let's move on, gentlemen. There'll be more of this later on, I'm sure. Very rare in this day and age. The cutoff of this match was Knobs hitting Bret Hart from behind, right in front of the referee. Usually they're Fuck a little <laughs> What? Fuck them. Fuck the refs. <laughs> Jeez, the language, Brian. <laughs> so just right, yeah, right in front of the referee, it's really, they we tend to be... a five count, right? <laughs> they do have a five count, I guess, technically. So at one point, Heenan says that he should be managing knobs and sags, and Monsoon says, maybe you can work something out with uh, Jimmy Hart at ringside there, and Heenan says, is that pipsqueak? <laughs> I mean, I mean... Uh... <laughs> These were the days of, like, where they would do, like, manager shuffles and stuff, too. Purchasing of, of wrestler contracts and whatnot. Well, yeah. He thought it was Bobby Heenan, but he told Monsoon it was actually that guy behind him. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of chin locks in this match. A lot of extended chin lock scenarios. Blowing up. And I believe the Nasty Boys did not shave their pits either. <laughs> 
Oh, you wouldn't expect a nasty voice. Well, they are nasty. You want to get that pit stop in there. Pity city. Pity city. At one point, one of these chin locks was called a reverse double chin lock by Gorilla Monsoon, (laughs) which I'm trying to figure out. Reverse... And double. Well, <laughs> double. I understand if it was one of the nasty boys, that'd be a double chin. But it was, was Bret Hart. Was it inverted though? <laughs> Probably was <laughs> inverted reverse. Uh, so they did a false tag here with the anvil coming in uh, just to be escorted back out. They attempted to use the megaphone at this point, and knobs hit sags by mistake. Then the official hot tag came, and Jim the Anvil was in there. Hit a power slam, of course. <laughs> of course. And then a heart attack by uh, the team of the Heart Foundation. And immediately after the heart attack takes place, Hebner gets Brett out of the ring. Jimmy Hart tosses the motorcycle helmet you mentioned, Brian, over the top rope so everyone can see it. That was a nice little thing. He tossed it up in the air so everyone can see that it was getting in the ring. Sags caught it, hit Jim Neidhart on the back, and Nobbs covered Brett Hart. Was it Brett? No. Nobbs covered the anvil for the pin to win the Tag Team Championships the Nasty Boys new champions. You can have Bret Hart taking the pin there. Yeah, come on. You don't have a guy that over taking the pin. <laughs> <laughs> so your thoughts on this match? That's a good match. Very yeah, entertaining. Another good Very one. Good. The crowd was hot for this match. Again, I'm kind of disappointed in this WrestleMania selection. It really <laughs> was one terrible match, but the others have been fine so far. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do here with and, the- uh, Nobody dead in that match. Everybody's no. still living. Oh, yeah. Look at that. We, we have one. That. How about this one? This is an all-living match right here. The model Rick Martel already in the ring versus Jake the Snake Roberts. It is the first ever blindfold match. And because of the power of high definition in 2018, very disappointed to see the, <laughs> the, eye the mesh eye holes <laughs> in, the, in the hoods. Yeah, they got a close-up of, of Jake putting the hood on, and he reaches up underneath it to like scratch his nose or something, and you see his hand yeah. through, the, <laughs> through the mesh. So, yeah. yeah it's Oof. like we knew you could see through him, but... To see it now in high def, it's like so painfully obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just shows you what they get away with with standard definition yeah. cameras back in the day and the technology of the day. So, I mean, back in the day, you would think a lot of people like say this is a bad match, but it's I mean it's a different kind of match. It was entertaining. I thought, I thought it was really good. Good. This highlights how good Rick Martel and Jake the Snake both are. Is. They had the most entertaining blindfold match you can imagine ever happening. Towards the end, I think, I think they might have been able to shorten it up a little bit, but overall it was super entertaining. Rick Martel was unbelievably funny in this. Solid. <laughs> so he good. bumped he took like that bump off the ropes where he like he missed Jake and like sort of like ran into it and just took the, the big bump backwards. He did the spot where he thought Jake was lying on the ground, so he dropped an elbow, but Jake had already gotten <laughs> up completely. Good stuff. Rick sends him off the ropes. And then, and then Jake just runs by him, <laughs> and Martel's like throws a line like there's no one there. They must have had a blast like working this match. They must they must have had so much fun with it. I mean, they do the spot where Jake points and the fans like boo if he's not pointing at the heel, and they cheer when he's again the crowd's super yeah. into it. You imagine? I mean, today they could never do a match like that. The fans would. Wouldn't give a shit. No, fans like to be like a part of it, and, yeah. and it'd be like they'd be mi- intentionally misdirecting the baby face. <laughs> so at one point, Jake gets bumped out to the floor. Martel joins him out there and grabs a chair or finds a chair somehow. He's poking it in the air. He finally decides that he must be right here. Swings the chair, hits the ring post, and uh, Martel <laughs> great uh, sell. Yeah, the fingers <laughs> by doing it. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. So at the finish here, Martel goes into the buckle. 
ends up backing out of the corner into Roberts. Roberts grabs him, DDT, finds him, covers him, three count. Jake the Snake wins the blindfold match over Rick the Model Martell. And then he stomps the atomizer of arrogance. He stomps that. <laughs> he throws Damien onto Rick Martell. So that's Martell hightails it though pretty quick, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He does. You can never get away with the, the treatment of like the animals today, like they did then. Like it was actually a very dangerous spot for the snake because Martell was like flailing around yeah. and like Yeah. Well, that one it was a good, entertaining match. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. A lot of students now should watch a match like that because it shows you, it could teach them actually, you know, how to actually work a match where you can't really do anything. Right, right. Where you can't just do a thousand and one spots. And All right, let's see if we can do a series of blindfold matches in chaotic wrestling. Let's see what <laughs> we can do to get that done. I hear you're uh, very tight with the uh, booker there. That's what, I, that's what I hear, too. It's <laughs> not true. I, I, I get booked as a referee if that was the case. Very tight. <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean? Well, maybe not that tight. <laughs> Speaking of tight, Marla Maples was backstage with, the nasty, with the nasty boys uh, for their champagne celebration, which really didn't go anywhere. The Monty came in, the earthquake, Dino Bravo, all of the... Uh, yeah. Jimmy Hart contingent. Not a promo. Didn't really add anything. Why did it even happen? Uh, just to get Marla Maples wet, <laughs> I guess, essentially. hey So Jimmy Snooker's already in the ring, folks. Oh, my Lord. And making his WrestleMania debut with Paul Bearer, The Undertaker. And this one was pretty quick. And it started uh, probably the same way most of my matches with Jimmy Snooker started. I was a referee, of course. <laughs> I didn't wrestle him. The whole spot always was Jimmy is going to turn to the, face the corner, put his foot up, and adjust his knee pads and attack him from behind. And that is exactly what happened here at WrestleMania 7. <laughs> I guess it worked for The Undertaker. Why couldn't it work for Chris Nowinski in Chaotic Wrestling? Hey, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Right. So Undertaker gets the bulk of this matchup. The most amazing thing out of this match, 1991. The most amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most. Jimmy Snuka hits a slingshot crossbody where he, you know, he, he jumps oh, yeah. up the top rope and then jumps off. The, 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 I don't remember seeing anything like this this early on in wrestling. No, and I'm no. guessing it was supposed to be like the lead into the finish, but he couldn't quite. He couldn't quite pull yeah. it off. He couldn't quite muscle him up. This guy Snuka was fucking enormous. Yeah, again. <laughs> there we go. He's just enormous here, too, though. Like, yeah. he's bigger than he probably was at any point in his career. So, yes, he did pick him up again, tombstoned him, three count to begin the streak. And no tattoos in The Undertaker, either. Not a tattoo to be found, no. Not uh, visible, anyway. Again, not a bad match, just nothing. Nothing to it, really. Nothing to it, yeah. yeah. Isn't it crazy how they had the uh, foresight to start the streak all the way back then? certainly certainly uh okay let's move on to one of the featured bouts it is the career ending match one of these people will be forced to retire macho king randy savage with sensational queen sherry hey wait mike who's who's that over there who is that who is that over there Oh. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, Bobby Heenan has superhuman eyesight. <laughs> like I said, like way back, she's like in the bleachers somewhere. <laughs> hey, is that Elizabeth? Is that her? I mean, she's sitting in the dark, the only person sitting down in the sea of people. Everyone's standing. She's the only one sitting down in her seat, like way back. 
And how did, now, how did Elizabeth get a ticket to this? Because she was with the company, right? A year, a year earlier. How did she know she wasn't going to be with the company? We need a ticket to get to WrestleMania. Only 7. noticed her then. Yeah. How did she get the ticket if the tickets were already sold? <laughs> I'm starting not to believe this story about uh, Again, the venue change. A year ago, she bought the ticket. But she was in the company at that point, though. Like, how did she even know? Like, she wasn't going to be with the company. Well, they give out a later. certain amount of comps, I'm sure. Oh, interesting. So it must have been the outfit that they noticed. That must have been what it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> Didn't very... Didn't for the first five matches. It was a crazy outfit. So the warrior did not run down to the ring. He had a sleeveless jacket. Uh, this is a different ball game, according to Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, serious shit. His career's on the line. It certainly was. Both their careers on the line. So... There was a clap clothesline by the Ultimate Warrior, which was. is necessary at this I did, point. I did like the very passive, aggressive trunks the Warrior had, had on. Uh, I felt like his trunks may have been indicative of being bitter over not being the WWF champion. Yeah, the they said in the back that the you know this is much more important than this. And there's a picture of the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That, that, <laughs> really I'm surprised. I, I get that I get the feeling they were surprised. <laughs> That's probably the only gear the Warrior had, and nobody in WWF saw it till that day. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so Sensational Sherry was all over the place in this match, just oh, interfering. Beautiful. <laughs> That's your centerfold, right, Tarzan? Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> she was all over me. <laughs> <laughs> she was uh, flaunting it out there. She looked good. My goodness gracious. Wow, you got to fan you over there. got to get the... Uh, yeah, exactly. The neck down, she, she looks pretty solid. What pretty decent. Oh, she's uh, what are you butterface as they do? <laughs> oh Jesus. Good gravy. Pretty decent, exactly. So uh, at the beginning of the match, Savage is just bumping around all over the place for the Ultimate Warrior. And at one point, Sensational Sherry does some stuff on the outside. Warrior pushes her down. Savage comes in and nails Warrior from behind to get him on top for a while. So remember, do you remember when the Ultimate Warrior was going for the splash? He hit the ropes like eight times, yeah, yeah. and then just dove onto the mat next to the Macho Man. Knowing what the finish is, do you feel like he got confused and thought maybe they're going to that finishing spot, and he really was just supposed to miss the splash? Like Savage literally was on his knees; he wasn't even standing at that point. <laughs> just dove onto the mat. Really, uh, weird. I want to say, this is Randy Savage, yep. and a career his career's on the line. You don't have a promo with one of the greatest promo men who ever lived, but you have one with the British Bulldog, the Warlord. And Winston. (laughs) The Rockers and the Nasty Boys and the Hart Foundation, but you don't have one with Randy Savage or the Ultimate Warrior when their careers are on the line. It seems like it was either you got promos or a video package, and I guess they went for the video package. They did have a video package, so I guess that, that took precedent. I guess so. So Savage knees the Ultimate Warrior in the back, and the Warrior knocks into Earl Hebner. Hebner gets bumped hilariously. <laughs> he bumps like onto the bottom rope, where he like he falls back and just like boing onto the bottom rope. It's amazing. So uh, Sherry is kind of all over him after that. Macho Man finally at the one point hits the flying elbow off the top, goes and hits it again, a third time. A fourth time, after the fifth time, it's the flying elbow off the top rope. He finally goes for the pin, and the warrior comes out the back door. Mm. He starts to warrior up. And this is when this match officially goes off the goddamn rails. <laughs> <laughs> he does the press slam, splash, goes for the pin, and there's a kick out. Mm. 
He's questioning the heavens yes. above. <laughs> he's looking out. He's looking at his hands. What is going? Yeah, I, I, it's, <laughs> it's years later, and I still have no idea what the hell is going on. Yeah, he is he's looking at the sky. He's looking at the heavens, and he's looking at his hands. And it goes on for goddamn ever, too. Forever. He like he goes to leave. Like he like he's gonna just leave. And, and then and they do the spot where Sherry gets him on the on the, the barricade. Barricade and Savage like misses, misses, but doesn't hit the barricade. Just gets punched in the stomach. So it's a whole thing, yeah. Uh, it's fucking bad. <laughs> like, it was good. Like, one of the best matches at that point that Warrior had ever had. And then the last, like, five minutes is just awful. They go into a spot in the ring where Warrior continually shoulder tackles Macho, who bumps to the outside. I think they did and this, like, three times. Pick him up and bring him back in and then do it again. And then Falls out of the ring again. <laughs> yeah, he keeps on doing it, keeps on doing it. Finally pulls him back in the ring after the third time. Puts one foot on his chest and pins him. Yeah, that's it. Just one, two, three. All done. <laughs> See you later, Macho Man. <laughs> that was it. Is there even a false on Savage, or is that it? Just like no, that's it. That's just it. Wait. The Warrior doesn't do false. Come on. <laughs> like I said, it's actually pretty good until that kick up from Savage earlier. Well, they each kicked out of each other's finish. Yeah, I see what they were going for. But then like, storytelling. Yeah, it just yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah. too drawn out and just yeah. weird. Weird, yeah. Really bad from that one. So Sherry's pissed after the match, and she's uh, laying the bad mouth on uh, Randy Savage and Monsoon says Elizabeth tears flowing what a heart on that lady <laughs> it's not in it's on <laughs> so uh, Elizabeth gets in the ring pulls sensational Sherry off of Macho Man and there's a moment in the ring where Savage is pointing at Elizabeth did she do it was she the one that was kicking me and uh, Sherry is taken off and finally they embrace in the ring the Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth in full sequins head to toe with stars on her outfit. Not one of the greatest outfits from Elizabeth. I guess she had to be able to uh, hop the barricade, so I guess they didn't want to put her in a little slinky she, she dress. She did a pretty good sprint from high heels. way the hell back in the arena to, like, to the ring in high heels. So as they embrace and their reunion is in full swing. Not a dry eye in the house. Yeah, they, <laughs> Not they even Tarzan. He had to excuse himself to the bathroom so we didn't see him crying. When you found true love, stuff like that really hits you. <laughs> so women are crying, especially this woman in blue in the front row. They show a couple times. That woman, though, that woman's face will forever be ingrained in my brain. <laughs> what about the guy with the was like a yellow fisherman's hat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, sobbing. He's in the full throes of it as well. Sobbing like a child. <laughs> so from there, I think they go to intermission here on the actual pay per view, but they come back to Gorilla and Bobby and. And only 19 matches left. Only 19 yeah. matches left. We're, We're like 50 minutes into this review. We, we need, need to fill time. rapid fire some of these. <laughs> yeah, might do yada, yada, yada this thing. Get into the main event here. Uh, so Bobby Heenan says, Slaughter doesn't know the word give up. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of more than one word there. So Regis is uh, this... Okay, you you take us through this, Tarzan. The celebrity interviews with the uh, various wrestlers. It's 14 goddamn matches. Why do they have to do these shit interviews that would that mean nothing? Who did Regis interview? Oh, Undertaker. The Undertaker. They, he's being measured for a casket, I guess. Well, they don't speak and they're measuring him for a casket. And then they go to Alex Trebek oh, with demolition. Says, yeah, I've worked with some dead crowds before. Huh? 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 <laughs> so then Alex Trebek with demolition. And uh, not much happening there. Not, then, not much there. Then Regis. There was with, a lot of heel laughs with uh, Alex Trebek. But. There were. And then they go back to Regis with Tenru and Katow. 
Okay, not only is this a waste of goddamn time, and I'm not like a social justice guy, but Jesus Christ, could you be any more fucking offensive? The Japanese guys <laughs> don't speak any English until he says Toyota, and then their faces light up like kids on Christmas morning. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't age well. It doesn't age well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> so then we go back to Trebek with Jake the Snake Roberts. Again. Which very little happens. Damien, I mean, ma- Damien's a very big fan of Jeopardy. He's a very big fan of Jeopardy. He wants he to get together. The, sh- <laughs> the fuck. Uh, and then they go back to says, Damien, you're just going to have to settle for the home version. <laughs> what a colossal fucking waste of time. Well, then they go back to ringside and Heenan puts over that he set up all these shitty interviews. <laughs> which, which, which actually kind of made the spot. <laughs> it's, his, it's his fault that all the shitty that has happened, which is pretty genius. I don't know if that was called the last minute or what. Yeah, or, or you could, you know, Bobby he didn't call him that on the fly. Yeah, probably. He was pretty genius at that sort of thing. So it was Demolition coming out of intermission. Smash and Crush with Mr. Fuji versus Tenru and Katao. Nothing of value in this match. You want to notice the uh, foreigners in this match? Donald Trump disappears from his seat. Mm. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. The <laughs> entire row was empty where Donald Trump was sitting for the last match. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Say no more. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we talked about Bobby Heenan's uh, amazing eyesight. What about the cameraman? To make sure that they could find the Asian people in the crowd <laughs> to show during Ken Tenru and Katao's entrance. There was a Tenru sign. There was. I believe. Yes, in Japanese. Yes. <laughs> sure, made by somebody backstage at WWE. <laughs> It's kind of, I guess the probably the uh, most notable thing here is this towards the end of Demolition. Yeah, it was Crush and Smash. Their last WrestleMania appearance. Yeah, Axe long gone long at this gone, point. Yeah. The finish here, Smash sets up for uh, the Demolition decapitation, puts Tenru on his knee. Katao runs in. You know, Crush comes off and starts going out with Katao. And Smash just holds his Tenru name? on his knee. Katao. Oh, I thought you said hand towel. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I thought you were just talking about re- making fun of Regis and stuff not aging well. Bobby that was Heenan. a joke in the match. That was a joke. Oh, okay. Bobby Heenan said that. This guy wasn't paying attention. I was oh. busy writing. Well, at that point, he wasn't speaking to either you or me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is about the point where Michael Crockett was fine earlier, and then then, then this is about the point like... Shut down. Wouldn't speak to either one yep. of us. <laughs> so Smash has him set up on his knee, Tenru. And then Crush and Katao get into it. So Smash is just sitting there with him on his knee for like 30 seconds. <laughs> Tenru could not move. And then <laughs> Crush finally, uh, you know, shakes Katao, runs up to the top rope, and then gets knocked off. <laughs> Again. Then from there, Tenru hits a power bomb on one of the members of Demolition to get the three count. I think it's the first power bomb I've ever seen in the WWE or WAF. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know... Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. pre Sid Justice. Yeah, when did Sid Justice come in, yeah. Soon. Yeah, about four or five months after that. Yeah, so that was probably the powerbomb debut. We saw the first springboard move. We saw the first powerbomb at WrestleMania 7, it looks like. Oh, remember when Tenru, he did that weird backward top rope elbow? Yes. It's the weirdest thing I ever saw. He kind of like you go said, he's going for a moonsault. Yeah, I, thought, I genuinely thought a moonsault. Was, and then he just jumps backwards. With elbow and misses horribly, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about... Uh, we're getting into the big boss man and Mr. Perfect here. They start with promos with the big boss man talking about his mama. <laughs> he loves his mama. <laughs> he loves his mama, and he was and she was hurt by Bobby Heenan's words about his mama. And you said something about 
you think the boss man would be more sensitive about this kind of stuff. Yeah, you think he wouldn't be so mean, you know, and drag the Big Show's father's corpse around at a funeral <laughs> after his own mama was insulted by Bobby Heenan. Maybe that just held, he held that in his heart and it just it manifested. Made, what did you say? It made him a different man. That's yeah. <laughs> can, can, are we allowed to say that, that the big boss man looks fantastic here? Yeah. Like he, he noticeably looks, lighter than yeah, at any point in his career? Seen. Crazy. Now, here's the first promo that actually didn't suck, that made sense about a match that actually had an issue behind it. So from there, we go to Mr. Perfect's promo. Bobby the Brain talks about the LAPD <laughs> and lots of uh, Rodney King humor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't quite the politically correct machine they are now back They were the, topical, though. Yeah, they were topical. <laughs> well, it's topical. It's topical. Yeah, I, he even said because some ham and egger came out of the bushes with a camcorder. <laughs> Oof, so we Were go. there riots about that? I mean, did that happen yes. at that point? Yes. Did riots happened? I don't know if the riots had happened. But, I'm sure they yeah, probably, right? Yeah, it's a very serious situation. Yeah, like, I was like, uh, how the hell you could make fun of that is beyond me at that point in time. All right, so it was the big boss man challenging for the Intercontinental Championship versus Mr. Perfect, who had Bobby Heenan with him. Joey Morella was the referee, so this was an all-dead... Everybody. The commentators, the managers, uh, yes, the, because, uh, the participants. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned... Yes, Lord Lord Andre does a run-in. <laughs> yeah, Lord Alfred Hayes sits in for Bobby Heenan in this match, and... What is this about Lord Al's dick? <laughs> you guys start talking about it, about his genitals as soon as he it's made an appearance. It's a wrestling legend then. He has supposedly a huge cock. You've never heard Lord Alfred Hayes? No, I never heard this about Lord Alfred Hayes. Right, you've heard that before. I've, I have heard that before. <laughs> yeah, really? He supposedly has a huge cock. Well, well, he did have a huge cock, I guess you would say. Good for his lordship. <laughs> <laughs> good for his wife, at least. <laughs> what, wife? Wife. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. The, the uh, politically correctness of uh, what's going on here is rubbed off on all of us. Yeah, this is the most yeah, rubbed off, huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I haven't been on in a while. Have you guys really gone this sexual with your... Uh, We're really Not good. typically. No. <laughs> no. So this match, just Mr. Perfect bumping his ass off. It was almost like... Hogan, Shawn Michaels level, the ridiculousness of some of these bumps that he was taking for a big boss man. Except I think they were like genuine. I don't think he was trying to be like a right. dead, Like I think he was just trying to put the match over. Right. But can he perfect flex big boss man? I don't know. Tarzan. I mean, if he hits it, I think it's over. But, uh, <laughs> this version of the big boss man, I'd say yes. At one point, big boss man goes after Heenan and perfect throws him into the stairs, which Ooh, was devastating. Devastating. <laughs> Probably one of the first instances of that, now that I think about it as well. And Heenan starts stomping him, and here comes Andre the Giant, another dead guy. The crowd goes nuts. Yeah, the crowd actually pops huge for that. And he's wearing a Kramer shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <he laughs> and both you and I were surprised. I don't think we even knew Andre was still... Like, I knew he wasn't in there. The I didn't company think, yeah, I think he was there yeah. anymore. Well, he died like three weeks after WrestleMania three. I thought. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's Hulk Hogan said. That's why I put him over. That's why I put Hogan <laughs> over, because he was going out. He only had one match left in him. So Andre somehow gets the Intercontinental Championship. Mr. Perfect goes after him. Andre hits him with the belt. Uh, Bossman goes for the cover. One, two, kick out, and then Haku and the Barbarian run in, apparently late. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> you got to believe that was a botched uh, run in. Long aisle way. They didn't take that into consideration. So it was a disqualification. Bossman wins, but Mr. Perfect retains the championship. Andre is bumping people around all over the place. And Bossman goes to whip the barbarian at one point inside the ring, but Andre decides to grab the barbarian's <laughs> leg, and no one knows what the hell's going on. Uh, I guess one of the is this a swan song for Andre, or is he make a? 
I don't know. It's got to be. I mean, definitely at WrestleMania it is. He showed up in another pay-per-view on crutches. I just remember that because I think he was in the Bushwhackers corner or some weird thing like that. Oh, yeah. Was that a WrestleMania? I don't I, know. I, I think it might have been a SummerSlam or something, but it just doesn't. I don't think it was a WrestleMania because he wasn't at WrestleMania 8. I know that for sure. Yeah. We're getting out of the nitty-gritty or so I thought. I just want to say that match was a great match until the shit finished. Like, that was a really good match. That seemed like two guys that genuinely didn't like each other. Like, the title was important. Like, the match was really, really good. Very good pace for that time period. But then when Andre came out, like, everything went to shit from that point on. So. That was also the first of, like, five matches where I thought, all right, the main event's next. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so next up was Earthquake with Jimmy Hart versus Greg the Hammer Valentine, the fiery young baby face. <laughs> and, and as we said about a bunch of guys, Pretty sure this was towards the end of Greg Valentine's run in WWF. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think he went over to WCW with everyone else when yeah. when Hogan went. Uh, I think s- he went before that, to be honest with you. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, because Hogan was at the next WrestleMania, and Valentine definitely was. Okay. Sure. Hogan I remember was at the next two WrestleManias. Yeah, Valentine and Terry Taylor ended up being U.S. Cha- tag team champions at one point in, uh, in WCW, and that was before Hogan, so... All right, well, then don't to make it look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people left right after that WrestleMania. So a- as the entrances of this match are happening, Mean Gene is in the cheap seats with the celebrities, <laughs> quote-unquote celebrities. Uh, Donald Trump interview. They hope to see Mania back in Atlantic City, I guess, someday, right? <laughs> they don't Maybe it's, it's, co- it's coming up. I think they're going to Jersey again. Maybe it'll be Atlantic City. <laughs> exactly. Chuck Norris says something. Henry Winkler says his line that... Uh, Quinn really loves, but he really wanted to say more, it seemed like, the Fonz. <laughs> yes, he did. And uh, they really just kind of breezed by him. Lou Ferrigno there as well, talking about his kids and whatnot. And this match, I guess you want to kind of bring the crowd down, and uh, they did that. Very brief, thankfully. <laughs> Very brief. Uh, well, you know, with Greg Hammer Valentine, uh, in this match, it takes 12 to 50 minutes for him to get his motor running, according yeah, to Gurren Monsoon. Earthquake had to get it done quick. And he did. <laughs> and you went and looked up Earthquake's age. Yes. He's, <laughs> at the time of this match, he is 28 years old, and he looks like he's 48. Yeah. I mean, when did he start losing his hair? He must have been a teenager. <laughs> you understand. It's like, this is after his program with Hogan. So, like, what are they even building him for at that point? Like They really made a conscious effort to get everybody on the card in this yeah, one. Yes, they certainly did. 14 goddamn matches. So, yada, 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 Earthquake Splash, and Earthquake wins the match over right. Valentine. What's very, next? Very few pop and circumstance. Power and glory already in the ring. Let's slick. <laughs> versus the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. They start hot. Apparently, they, they said that power and glory cost them their title shot. At WrestleMania, I, or something. I, I was unaware of this ever happening, but they, they did a promo with LOD saying that Power and Glory cost them an opportunity at winning the tag titles or something. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, do you remember any angle or anything that even led to this? I do not. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the match. Uh, Animal hit a power slam, of course, because everyone in this show is going to hit a power slam. <laughs> of course. Doomsday device, three count. Legion of Doom wins the match. We talked about Power and Glory. Uh, not living up to their potential. And I, I tried to look up if there was any... You, you said, like, Tarzan, is there something... Or was it you, Brian, that said, was it something that they did to, you know... Yeah, because it felt like... Not earn a push? It felt like they were going to get a push when they first became a team, and then it seemed to... I mean, st- and they were on the greatest Survivor Series team maybe of all time. Hey, they had one hell of a finishing maneuver. Yeah. 
<laughs> Where have I seen them? <laughs> Where have I seen them? They were on The Visionary, so I mean, you know, yeah. they were good. <laughs> oh, the greatest boy. Survivor Series team of all time. Exactly. Thank you very much. I'll tell you where Power and Glory went, went wrong. Had the Mighty Hercules in it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you really have a thing against the Mighty Hercules. He I don't sucks. Like that. My goodness gracious. But uh, both, everybody in this match, phenomenal. Looked like a million dollars. Like Sure did. Herc and Jerk and LOD all looked fucking amazing. <laughs> Herc and Jerk, I forget <laughs> about that. So speaking of looking amazing, VIR, GIL, <laughs> Virgil versus the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Virgil had Roddy Piper lead him to the ring. Roddy Piper apparently had a motorcycle accident. He was on a crutch walking down to the ring. And he grabs the microphone and says, hey, Virgil, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> to no music. One of the one of the best mic men in the history of wrestling grabs the microphone and just says, come on, Virgil. <laughs> really made Virgil feel like a big star that he had no music. Well, Virgil wouldn't have come out if Piper hadn't told no. him. No. Because <laughs> he didn't have music, so he wouldn't know when to come out. Piper in his corner, wrestling one of the greatest heels of all time, and still nobody gave a shit <laughs> about Virgil. Virgil comes out in like pseudo boxing trunks, but for a guy with those kind of trunks, terrible punches. Yeah. <laughs> God, brutal, awful. Piper is sitting at ringside because of the injury to his leg, and DiBiase knocks him over, and there's some sort of scuffle on the floor, and DiBiase ends up getting counted out. So Virgil wins the match via countout. We never found out if uh, the Piper thing was a shoot or no. Or not I couldn't find anything uh, about it. I would have to guess, right? Why? Why would Virgil have a WrestleMania match? Why would everybody? <laughs> why would everybody saying, even loosely associated with the company have a WrestleMania match? But Ro- Roddy Piper <laughs> he did, did not. Have a sweet pink uh, muscle, t- skin tight muscle shirt. <laughs> yellow, <laughs> yes, wasn't it? it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yellow, yeah. Yellow. <laughs> so uh, after the match, Virgil's attacked, put in the million dollar dream. Piper comes in, hits him with a crutch, goes to do it again. A sensational Sherry runs in, stops Piper. Both of them, Sherry and DiBiase, take Piper out. Virgil comes up again. Both of them bail. And uh, so it looks like Sherry and the Million Dollar Man have a starting their relationship here at WrestleMania 7. Then Virgil gets on the microphone and says, Piper, get up! Did he, say, he said something inaudible before that as well. Something in fact that do what you told me to do. Get up! <laughs> so he gets up awkwardly and the two of them hug. So uh, got a reaction, sadly, and uh, that was that. So I'd forgotten that Piper was like Virgil's number one fan there for a while. Yeah, because he was on commentary when Virgil yeah, first turned. Yeah. So he was like encouraging him to turn. Yeah, seriously though. Anyone speaking of questions unanswered? How the fuck did Virgil have a goddamn job? <laughs> I don't know. He fucking sucks. Terrible. No <laughs> wrestling ability. No charisma. No nothing. He loves meat sauce and that fuck money. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looked good. He was just supposed to be a bodyguard at the beginning. He had a huge yeah. cock, right? He's another one. Jesus. <laughs> You're obsessed. <laughs> You're obsessed with genitals and, and physiques. <laughs> the guy had a job in wrestling for fucking like 12 goddamn years. Like, the asshole's still doing fucking autograph signings. Accomplished nothing his whole goddamn career. <laughs> Won the million dollar championship, Tarzan. It's like he's. Uh, he's in the NWO. <laughs> he's also in the West Texas Rednecks or whatever. Curly Joe, yeah. So from there, it is a promo with the World Wrestling Federation champion, Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> and his commanding officer, General Adnan. And. I'm just going to play this. 
And you know Hulk Hogan, when it's all over again, <laughs> I'm still going to be laughing. <laughs> what a heel laugh. Four of them in total in this promo. Unbelievable. Well, Mike, it's been a while, but can we? <laughs> I am right now submitting him into the Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. Congratulations. First ever spontaneous induction into the Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. Like, Sergeant Slaughter, he earned it. Is, I, there, is there ever been more Heel Laughs in a single promo? More money Heel Laughs. <laughs> Every one of them was fantastic. So, of course, we hear this promo. That means we're going right into the main it's event, main right? Time. Yeah, yeah, time of the main event. So, there's the Mountie already oh. in the ring. I think there was a collective groan amongst <laughs> us, like, like, what the fuck? Tito Santana was the opponent on this evening for the Mountie, and uh, they're rushing these guys through these matches because 10 seconds in, he hits the flying forearm on the Mountie. Mountie goes to the floor. Double noggin knocker. Tito Santana knocks Mountie and Jimmy Hart together. So they're just and, blowing through this And stuff. how long had Strike Force been broken up at this point? <laughs> well, <laughs> 88, 89, 89. Uh, two, was, years. Yeah. two years. Two years. And Tito Santana's still wearing the Strike Force gear. <laughs> well, he's, he's, it's, not, uh, it's not how much you, it's, it's hope it's against how, hope. It's how much it's how much you save, not how, <laughs> not how much you make, right? <laughs> so at one point, uh, Jimmy Hart hands the shock stick over to Mounty, hits Tito in the gut with it, severely lacking in sound effects. Yeah, I was just like, no sound effect. <laughs> the impact was uh, really uh, a lot less than usual, and the Mounty gets the win very very quickly. Girl Monsoon says it goes in the record books as a win for the Mounty. But not to anyone who saw this. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> it means that, you know, it wasn't a win as far as... Uh, well, I mean, if the shock stick can end Goldberg's undefeated streak, you sure as hell know Tito Santana's not kicking up from it. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Hogan's promo, and uh, he's done a 360. He sure has. <laughs> <laughs> so finally... Mercifully, I fully is. expected another match. Was happen. <laughs> I, I really didn't think we had like four, like straight, like all right, there we go, it comes the main event. <laughs> yeah, because they announced when they went to intermission, they announced three more matches, and there end up being like five or six more matches. Yes. So we uh, go to the Fink, who introduces the celebrity co-hosts of WrestleMania: Alex Trebek, Regis Philbin, and of course the aforementioned vivacious <laughs> Marlon Maples. I, I'm not quite sure the exact definition of vivacious, but I'm pretty sure Marla Maples isn't it. Really? <laughs> Even in an 80s kind of way? Well, what does vivacious mean, though? I don't, I don't know. It's like va-va-voom. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of voluptuous. <laughs> Maybe I'm confusing the two. Thank God they all came out together. I really was expecting individual <laughs> interests for all three of them. So it is the main event, and of course, Trebek was the ring announcer, and he announces the WWF heavyweight champion, Sergeant Slaughter, with General Adnan, <laughs> and his opponent, of course, challenging for the championship, the immortal Hulk Hogan. The referee is Earl Hebner. And uh, Gorilla Monsoon says that Hogan is in the best condition of his entire life. He's our national hero. <laughs> I might believe that. Hogan, Hogan, seven years into his run, may look better than he did at any point before. Again, great shape. <laughs> good condition. You brought bits. up a good question. I don't know if it's in your notes. How do you attain that skin color that Hulk Hogan has? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the guy is like brown. Like, he's not tan. Like, he's literally That's crazy. brown. <laughs> a friend of mine... Uh, not really a friend of mine, but he theorized. I don't think he even really theorized. He just flat out said it that Hulk Hogan dips himself in a batter. 
to get this color. There, there is like I think like an injection or something you can get like uh like Mike Nice did it at one point. What? What? Mike there there's You're something that up. No, I swear to you there's something you He's can like one of those palest guys. There's something you can get where yeah, you exactly. There's something you can like like a shot or something. Somebody out there help me where I can help like give you like crazy pigment and Mike Nice looked ridiculous <laughs> like because he was normally pale and he had like all of a sudden he was like ridiculously tan really yes and does it last I, I don't know the length of it but somebody out there's got to know what i'm talking about i don't think they had it in 1991 though did they i don't i have no clue he, or hogan probably invented it <laughs> so. he did invent a grill if i'm not mistaken <laughs> he did after uh george foreman did so just a little bit too too little too late for hulk hogan Regis Philbin actually joins the commentary team, and Marla Maples is manning the bell. So, uh, if I only had a <laughs> what? Bobby Heenan says when she rings the bell, "If I only had a hammer." <laughs> <laughs> if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. Uh, so, Tarzan, you I had some, her in the morning. You know, what I'm <laughs> you had some unkind things to say about Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody have anything kind to say about that piece of shit? <laughs> well, there are people. There are worse pieces of shit. Well, right? there are. But fuck that fucking guy. I hate that <laughs> motherfucker so much. Is it because that he forced them to move to a smaller arena because the heat he garnered? Well, I really should thank him because Hogan was going to quit the business if he didn't get to work with Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania. Exactly, <laughs> saved Hulkamania. Really. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter has had many claims. Yeah, many, 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 many claims. He created Yokozuna. He created Yokozuna. He invented ring music. In, in a way, he, if you think about it, he saved Hulkamania and then ultimately killed Hulkamania because <laughs> Yokozuna was the one that put Hogan out of WWF. He did it all. He invented ring music. <laughs> yes, he did. Vince Man Sr. said he was the greatest gimmick he'd ever seen in his <laughs> entire life. <laughs> that's how he's done a lot. Uh, and it's, it's never any wrestling experience. Pin Jim Brunzel, uh, 30 seconds. And then uh, Ken Patera, the, the time, the strongest man, couldn't pin him. And then he beat the shit out of Sailor Jack or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> and then Vern said, hey, kid, you want to be a wrestler? <laughs> Didn't he invent The Undertaker, too, or some <laughs> fucking bullshit? He must have. He must have at this point. Uh, all right. And you asked me why I picked WrestleMania 7. <laughs> that fucking douchebag. <laughs> so uh, Slaughter was working hard. You have to give him this, Tarzan. I will give him credit. He was One bumping thing. all over the place. I've always said. Not a fan, great seller. We'll sell his fucking ass off. I'll give you that. That ridiculous bump he took like a like a Vader bomb like out of the corner. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't decide if he was trying to go over and he botched it or he actually meant to do that. Yeah. But uh, overall, not a great match. And Tarzan, you said, you know a match is bad when the only compliment I can give is to slaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this match was, was not good. And not only was it just a typical Hogan match, it just, oh, God, I didn't, just bad. <laughs> So Hogan gets color. Yeah. Before that, Hogan goes to the second rope, and Adnan does the distraction. Yes. And then he kicks him off, and then Hogan goes to the top, to the top rope. rope. <laughs> and then he grabs the leg, and then Slaughter slams him off the top rope. So that yeah, that was like a that was the heat for Hogan. He ends up how, taking a beating for a bit. How about that move from the top by Slaughter, like oh. like like the. <laughs> Like the, the single one stomp. foot stomp that just looked fucking devastating. <laughs> it looked like, like right in the kidney. Oh, it looked horrible. Not like horrible and like not horrible and like uh, botched way. Botched like, like, like horrible, like, like he killed him. Yeah, 
And then Adnan distracts the ref. While his man's pinning While him. his own man is pinning Hulk Hogan. Well, you know, he had something really important to tell the <laughs> official. He really had to bring something to his attention. What about the Boston Crab by Sergeant Slaughter? And Regis calls it. Yeah, Regis actually knew the name of the move. <laughs> I was so amazed. Like, he actually knew it. The best thing about this Boston Crab, though, is that Slaughter sets it up. He is parallel to the ropes. You know, Hogan's body is parallel with the ring ropes, and he could basically just reach out and touch the ropes anytime he wanted, but they... They milk it and milk it and milk it, and finally he just like you know casually throws his arm on the rope. Yeah, and Slaughter thinks he won or something. Yeah, didn't he do the camel clutch? I thought that that was a little later on. Yeah, <laughs> that was after the uh, the gig. But wasn't that like his finish though? Again, what is this thing about doing? You have a submission hold as your finish, and you do another submission hold early in the match. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Hogan gigs off the chair shot to the head. And uh, Regis is like, Hogan's a mess out there. Steel chair, mind you. Yes. And Gorilla's like, but he's still on his feet. But he wasn't on his feet. <laughs> Flat on his back. <laughs> Flat on his back. So, yes, he goes into the camel clutch, but Hogan's doing the uh-uh-uh-uh. He's got Slaughter up on his back. He uh, you know, stands up with Slaughter on his back, but Slaughter slips down, runs him into the buckle, and then covers him with the Iraqi flag of the ultimate show Son of, a bitch. of a disrespect of and goes to pin him. But then is the big <laughs> kick out. And then Hogan rips the flag, the Iraqi flag up, starts the Hulk up, big boot, leg drop, one, two, three. Hogan pits him clean, right? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, slaughter. Uh, another piece of shit. WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. He's going to kick up at three and a half. Couldn't just get fucking pinned. I don't even think it was three and a half. <laughs> 3.001. Keep himself strong. <laughs> Well, Fucking you gotta, asshole. You got to come back with the rematch. They're doing a rematch no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, there's a goddamn rematch to that. The fucking asshole has to kick up at three and a half. You should have beat him a little more if you wanted to keep him down beyond three. Hogan, it felt lazy, though. It was like, Hulk up, big boot, leg drop, done. No no dips. No, no dips, no nothing. Like well, not- It really seems like it these days, but even on this show, they had uh, you know Warrior kicking out of Savage's finish and Savage kicking out of Warrior's this, finish. This is also the 15th matchup of the night. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, he had Hogan pinned, and the ref didn't see it. That wasn't enough for the fucking asshole. He still has to kick up at three and a half. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan is your new is me. WWF oh, right heavyweight <laughs> champion. Yes, the war is officially over. I can only imagine what 10-year-old me was was doing during this matchup. What do you sure. think about Hogan's... Pants around your ankles. Physical <laughs> appearance. Look, look fucking great shape. <laughs> <laughs> the best shape I think I've ever seen him. Yeah, lean, looking good. It wasn't all bloated. You know, the best thing about this, was though, the crying lady in blue... She, she had a knife. <laughs> this lady may have loved. Out of her seat. I'll challenge you to find a person who's ever enjoyed a WrestleMania more than that lady. She laughed. <laughs> she cried. <laughs> the time she, of her she, life. At this, in 2018, she would be like getting like she'd be like a plant now at like every show like they do with the fucking Brock Lesnar idiot and <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Girl. Yeah, yeah. She she would be booked for her to be in the crowd. But uh, she, yeah. She, she laughed. She cried. She, she did it all. And uh, all is right with the world. Hulk Hogan vanquished single-handedly 
the Iraqi forces. And now the Gulf War is officially over. And once again, the greatest professional athlete in the world today. <laughs> so that is it. WrestleMania 7, Superstars and Stripes Forever, and Tarzan Taylor. Uh, we didn't give you our best in terms of terribleness, no. but it was an up and down night. It was a roller coaster. There something to, not to cut you off, but Heenan throwing a party after WrestleMania or something. Yeah. And then Monsoon was pretty excited for it. Who cares? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, am, uh, I, I hope people aren't disappointed because I don't do these very often, but this show wasn't that bad. It, yeah, it was pretty solid, yeah, actually. I mean, it, it was too goddamn long. It felt like a glorified TV taping, but there was some really solid stuff. There's some, I'd say, more good matches than bad on this show. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree, too. Well, the uh, length of this will prepare us for next week. For WrestleMania 34. I believe the pre-show starts tomorrow. <laughs> when, when is that? Yeah. <laughs> when is that? <laughs> oh, oh uh, it's uh, Sunday evening, uh, April, is it 7th? April 8th, I believe. Something yeah, because like I mean, April April seventh is Supercard of Honor. You have a plug, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be in New Orleans at Supercard of Honor, and just six short days, Michael. You sticking around after that? Of course I am. Do you have any uh, bookings coming up, Michael? Oh, no. you mean sticking around New Orleans? Yeah. No, I'll be home. I'll be home before noontime on Sunday. <laughs> wow. No, not, st- not sticking around to catch any other shows. I didn't even know there were other shows going on that weekend. <laughs> right. You're still on an extended hiatus. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. All right, we got to get out of here. We've been doing this for a while. Thank you very much to Matt Tarzan Taylor Spectro. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. We'll see you next time when you will still be hitting wrestling. No, 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 no. Just lukewarm on it, we'll say. He'll still be hating wrestling, and Michael still won't be watching it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Tarzan. Thank you. All right, we would love your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion about WrestleMania 7. Use the hashtag WPAN. The other way to do that, if you don't want to be on Twitter, is to call the voicemail line. We want to hear from you. Get your voicemails in. We'll play them on this very podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We will play it on the show, and I'm going to prove it right now because I'm going to play a recent voicemail we received on the voicemail line. Take a listen. Hey, guys. It's your old friend, Big Woody. As you know, I've been on kind of a extended hiatus, to borrow a phrase. From the wrestling, from wrestling in general, I guess, for quite a while now. But, uh, your episode kind of caught my ear and I listened to it. I thought it was pretty cool. But one thing I wanted to add, one thing to me that goes into making a bad show or a bad, I don't know, promotion, I guess, is when you're in the middle of, um, well, let's say East Jockstrap, New Jersey or wherever in this little building in front of 35, 50 people, whatever. And you can have the best talent in the world. And an indie wrestler comes out with whatever their championship is and calls it a world heavyweight championship. God, that drives me crazy. Right after that, everything else is just pretty much over. Now, that's my two cents. Anyways, great show, guys, as usual. And uh, you'll be hearing from me again from time to time. Thanks. Big Woody's back. Unbelievable. One of the original listeners to the wrestling podcast about nothing. With a great, great point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – and the new the new thing for uh, for these promotions to do is 
give a guy who is going somewhere, either Canada or England or something like that, make him your champion, have him bring the belt with him, and then defend it there in a match. And it's a world championship. It's defended all over the world. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Stop it. Man, you're salty today. You're like Tarzan. You're more so than Tarzan this week. <laughs> like legitimately, how many world how many world championships would you view as a world championship, Mike? Uh well the WWE championships. Yeah, the, the two um, WWE titles, the Universal and the WWE Championship. Well that one's the uh, you know for the entire universe, not just the world. <laughs> you take that to the moon. Um the ring the Ring of Honor world title. Well, okay. No? <laughs> no, yeah, no. That's that's that was uh okay, that's on the fence for me. New Japan as well. Um why are they on yeah. the fence for you? They don't get they don't get around the globe as much as as WWE. Not not as often, but I mean the the Ring of Honor World Championship has changed hands in in Japan. It has? Yeah, did it not at last year's Wrestle Kingdom? That's so long ago, Brian. <laughs> okay, so I guess I can concede that Ring of Honor. Okay, there's a championship changed hands in Japan. I guess I can see that uh, New Japan as well. But uh, yeah, the East Jockstrap New Jersey Championship Wrestling title. I don't think it should be a world title. I, agree, I guess I agree with the. Uh, I agree with Big Woody there. I, I I agree. There's no real indie promotions out there that. I mean, even a, I think a PWG or a CZW, which both call their championships world championships. I I I just. I don't view those as legitimate world championships. Let us know out there if you feel any differently. Uh, you can tweet us at the WPAN or call the voicemail line, 401-584-9726. Let us know what you think, 401-584-WPAN. By the way, that's not like you know me condemning those promotions. Those are two fantastic promotions. I'm just saying I just don't believe them to be world championships. That's all. Uh, you, so you're trying to save possible future bookings? That's what's happening there? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't foresee me really showing up in either of those places, buddy. But no, right. I guess you never know. <laughs> um, well, you never know what you're going to hear over on Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, hosted by Mike Mills, Doc Turner, and Hardbody Harper. Brian's about to go and meet up with Mike Mills down there in New Orleans, and you'll probably hear the tales of that. If not next week, the week after, as uh, we head into WrestleMania week here coming up. But uh, find out more about Booking the Territory by going to mikemills.podbean.com or subscribing to Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. They recently just had Jim Cornette back on the show for two parts. So make sure you go check out Booking the Territory. Wait, what are you going to say about Jim Cornette? I'm sure that wasn't miserable at all. I haven't no. listened to I haven't listened yet, but I'm sure there's lots of bashing of pro wrestling on there. Oh, come on. They love pro wrestling. Just the modern stuff is uh, leaves a little bit of desire to them. Pre-1988, they love pro wrestling. Oh, God. All right. Speaking of pre-1988, our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. That is the kind of the northern equivalent to Booking the Territory with our friends Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. OVPpodcast.com is their home base if you want to find out more about our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's appointment listening for the Kingpin and myself every Monday. That's after we listen to our own show because, of course, we listen to our own show. Why wouldn't we? It's a good show. Greetings from Allentown with P.W. Peter Winston. I'm going to try to get that over. P.W. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like from the Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Hey there, P.W. Anyway. <laughs> All right. 
Greetings from Allentown. He takes one episode of professional wrestling television from the past 30 years and just goes in-depth reviewing it and, you know, bringing in the context of the time, what's going on in the world at that period. Uh, It's a great show, great listen, and he talks to himself for like an hour and 45 minutes a week. Greetings from Allentown. Great podcast. Make sure to check that out. And the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. We heard uh, Jason Stewart giving us a little feedback at the top of the show. Check out the Rundown Wrestling Podcast and give them some feedback at Rundown Podcast on Twitter. I've been saying at Rundown Wrestling, but it is at Rundown Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast wherever you get your podcasts at. Okay, Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brian Danielson arrives? Yes, Brian. Not Brian Danielson, Brian Malonis. WWE's Daniel Bryan is cleared and ready to go for WrestleMania in a tag team match, apparently. But will Shane McMahon be his tag team partner since he was recently hospitalized with diverticulitis? It's a whole mess. Well, here is the scoop. BDA Radio has the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. That's the scoop. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Should you go to BDARadio.com for your pro wrestling fix? Yes! 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 Join me, Brian. Yes! No? No, thanks. Wait, you're not excited about Daniel Bryan coming back? No, I am. I'm just not doing that. That's not nice. Yes, Daniel Bryan returns at WrestleMania. It's a great story, and I'm happy to see it. It's probably one of the most uh, exciting parts of, to me about the show coming up. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. All right. Are you going to watch the show, or are you going to refuse because you're a, <laughs> you're part of the competition? I couldn't, re- I couldn't really uh, hold it in there. You're part of the competition there, Brian. <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna watch. You know damn well I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it with you, right? Okay. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Oh my God! Really? I make it. I make. I make it dragged out of there early. No, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't surprise me. All right, Brian. It is time for this week's promo about nothing, and I think we can agree that last week was kind of a dud. Apocalypse. <laughs> so, Brian, in light of that, I'm gonna go back to the tried and true, my friend. The year is 2007. Yes. TNA is the promotion we'll be looking at. And is your friend and mine, one of the greatest stick men in professional wrestling history. He's your hookup. Big Papa Pump. Scott Steiner is back. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. Shut up, shut up. No, shut up, man. You are a redneck. You got a redneck truck. You're the chief wrestler. You're dumb. Give my bags. Give my bags. And you shine my shoes if I want you to. Scott, hey, Scott, can I just get a word with you just for a minute? Is that okay? You can, get it. you can get my room number if you want, baby. You want to feel like it should be a real man? Huh? You want to kiss that? Kiss that, baby. Huh? Nice. Yeah, you damn right he's nice. I'm going to show Kurt Angle that I'm not going to be nice tonight. Kurt Angle, you're not the American hero. I am. I'm the American hero, and tonight I finish her yourself. Listen, listen, I'm doing him and Angie. You're not being doing favorites. 
I'm saying unto your dumb redneck ass, I'm hungry. Yes, so Brian, on this video, there are some amazing subtitles. Yes, there is. <laughs> Someone went in and put what they thought Scott Steiner was saying, which may or may not be what he was actually saying. It's hard to tell. Um, <laughs> it's very reminiscent of the like the fun with Ahmed or whatever. Yes, very much so. Let's set the stage here. Obviously, you're just listening to the audio. Uh, Scott Steiner, big pump a pump, drives up to the arena uh, in a truck, and it has Tyson Tomko, I think, with him, right? I think that's who that was. Yeah, and he's treating him like shit, calling him a redneck for some reason, which I went and looked up. Tomko, he's from Florida, which I guess he's a southerner. I. I wouldn't necessarily associate those in Florida as rednecks, but apparently to Scott Steiner, everyone... You, you might be a redneck if... <laughs> so apparently Tom Coe is a redneck. And the initial argument apparently is over the fact that Scott is unhappy he's driving a redneck truck with a bad GPS. That's what the issue is, apparently. Is that what you got out of this? I guess. <laughs> you, you might be getting more out of it than I did. <laughs> well, Tomko is apparently his servant of some sort. I don't know if this is a result of a some sort of stipulation match or what, but Tomko is apparently getting his bags and apparently got this truck for him that is a redneck truck that he doesn't enjoy. I don't know. Uh, but another thing for, for the people obviously just listening, when he asks the interviewer to kiss that, don't get any ideas. It was just his bicep. <laughs> so the interviewer who's L- Letitia, I believe is her name, or Letitia, uh, is asked to kiss that. It's just a bicep. Don't worry. The best is at the end. Tomko apparently hands him his bag or something, which doesn't really look like anything, and says to do it yourself. And Scott gets mad and says, I'm doing him an egg. <laughs> or, or, or he says, I'm doing ham an egg. I mean, that's what the translation says, but I cannot figure out for the life of me what else he could possibly by saying it. Sound, it's, there's nothing it could be other than egg. Yeah, I have, I have no clue, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't even want to guess. And, I mean, this kind of just stands on its own. We don't really have to go any further. But I do like the last line. I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, after it already, like, went dark, right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Tom Cohen has to go get him some uh, ham and eggs, apparently. Maybe that's, maybe that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, that must have been what he was saying. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Scott Steiner brings us back right into the heart of the purpose of the promo about nothing. And uh, you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode. You have to go see the video to see the you know, the subtitles that they added in for this. It's hilarious. Check it out in the description or at the WPAN.com. Brian... It's getting down to the wire here. You were hitting the highways and byways and the airways crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you have some very important dates. I do, Mike. I'm going to try to rapid fire here because i got a lot coming up in April. Uh, this weekend, I'm heading to New Orleans, Louisiana for Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor. It's Super Card of Honor weekend. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, that's Again, that's in New Orleans, Louisiana. Also, just announced on ROHWrestling.com, you'll have the opportunity to meet myself, the Beer City Brew and Silas Young as part of Festival of Honor. Wow, my goodness. Yeah, how about that, huh? That's pretty That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Mike, April the 13th, Chaotic Wrestling in Danvers, Massachusetts. 
Go to chaoticwrestling.com for ticket and card information. Then I'm back on the road again, heading to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for Ring of Honor, Steel City Excellence, international TV taping. And then the very next day, Columbus, Ohio, and that'll be streamed live on Honor Club. Check out rohwrestling.com for uh, all the details and get your subscription to Honor Club. And then, Mike, the 20th and the 21st, I will be with Northeast Wrestling Friday night, the 20th in Waterbury, and Saturday, the 21st in Bethany, Connecticut. Go to northeastwrestling.com or find Northeast Wrestling on all your social media outlets for ticket and card information. The very next day, the 22nd, I'll be in Amesbury, Massachusetts doing my first ever pro wrestling seminar at the Wrestling Academy Revival. Reserve your spots now. I'll be so, I've been sharing this all over my social media, so keep your eye out for that. If you want to come train with the Kingpin for just $25. And then, Mike, the weekend after that, Friday night, the 27th, I'll be heading to Brockton, Massachusetts, for Top Rope Promotions. Find Top Rope Promotions on all your social media outlets for ticket and card information. Then I'm heading to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for Beyond Wrestling on the 28th. And wow. Sunday, the 29th, I'll be heading to Worcester for Beyond Wrestling. Go to beyondwrestlingonline.com and find Beyond Wrestling on social media outlets for full ticket and card info. Wow, you see, you are really just all over the map. <laughs> I am, buddy. This, this is probably my busiest month of my life. Well, congratulations, and if you want to book the Kingpin and keep him busy, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at brianmalonis. Uh, Speaking of which, how are, we, uh, how are we recording the podcast in April? <laughs> uh, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out, Brian. You are very busy all weekend long when we usually record, so we're going to work this out. We're going to keep the Kingpin in the loop. So I want to wish you good luck as you head down south and... Uh, be a part of the biggest event in Ring of Honor history, my friend. Thank you, buddy. I'm excited. I can't wait. Well, we will be back right here next Monday for episode 103 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing featuring the WrestleMania Summit. But will it feature the Kingpin? We'll have to find out. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> Till then, he is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.